the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Stock market had a great day yesterday. It rallied. Ding, 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 ding. It rallied on a thought that it had been rallying on for a while now. And it's kind of silly when you stop and think about it, but it is what it is. The reason we're rallying is because we're hopeful that the U.S. and China are going to make progress in reaching a trade deal. I think hope belongs in two places, the football field and churches. I hope when I die that there's a heaven, and I hope that the 49ers win the Super Bowl. That's where hope goes for me. I like, when it comes to my money, I'm not hoping, you know? But Wall Street is. And will there be a deal before March 2nd and or not? Will will tariffs be pushed out and or not? So yesterday the market was feeling quite hopeful that the government shutdown is going to be avoided. Hip, hip, hooray, the government shutdown is avoided. Yeah. Is Trump going to get what he wants for his wall? Is there going to be physical barriers and or not? A lot of trading excitement yesterday. All over China, optimism and government shutdown optimism. That's pretty dysfunctional to me. So the markets have had a little bit of a rally going, and that is got an upward bias today. So we're kind of you know playing pushing forward and higher, and we're trying to reverse you know how was January going into February? We're having a good year, maybe too good of a year. Now keep in mind things got nastier in December, but one month does not make for a bear market. So on a year-over-year basis, total CPI came out today, the Consumer Price Index. We're looking at inflation. Easiest way to explain inflation, Coca-Cola cost 25 cents when I was a kid. When my dad was a kid, it was probably 5 cents, right? Now you're paying upwards of, in restaurants, $3, $4 for a soda. Now, they'll give you free refills. 
That's a lot of money they're making on soda, right? It's inflation. You know, when uh, rents go up 5% a year, that's inflation, right? Inflation's to the boogeyman. Inflation's the most evil thing to you and Wall Street. So that's why we pay attention to the consumer price index. Unless your wages are going up, and if consumer prices are going up, you're not able to save much. So consumer prices on food and energy, we actually saw a decline in cost of energy, which was nice. I've been freaked out by how cheap gas is. And gas ain't that cheap. It's under $3 at some places. In some places in the United States, it's like a buck twenty. That's cheap. But inflation's an issue. Now, sometimes inflation kind of takes care of itself. When gasoline prices go to $4 and $5, we're like, I'm not going to drive. I'm just not going to drive. But there's also ramifications. When gas gets expensive, we buy smaller cars or we buy more gas-efficient vehicles, hybrids and such. So we try to figure it out. Um, And that's kind of like the law of unintended consequences. It's what I'm seeing in Seattle this week. I don't quite get why there, and if someone could explain this to me, that'd be great. New York City gets pounded with snow. Seattle doesn't. They kind of look like they're on the same, you know, like the same weather band. I'm just assuming, like, let's draw a map across the country, and the weather's going to be similar across, maybe, on some level. I know that's ridiculous when I say it like that. But Seattle's not... New York's at sea level. You know, I get that altitude helps with snow, but the whole city of Seattle has been freaking out for the last 10 days. It's the snowiest February on record since 1916. Rain. They, they, they're used to the rain. We all know Seattle and rain, but I always thought they'd get snow, and I, I don't understand why. So Seattle's got steep hills. Now it's got snow plows running around. And, you know, you could probably say a year ago the snow driving experience was low. Now it's probably a little bit higher. It's interesting to watch Seattle freak out. It's the home of Microsoft. It's the home of Amazon. So there's a lot of tech up there, right? Now, when there's snow on the road, drivers like Uber and Lyft, they don't drive as much. Um, Amazon Fresh couldn't complete their scheduled grocery deliveries. Um so you're starting to see like there's some physical realities of snow, but there's also what was pretty interesting was the just the effect that it had on the gig, the gig economy. Drivers and delivery people aren't getting paid, so they're freaking out. Grocery chains chains try to do the best that they can to figure out software, to figure out what's on the shelf and what's not on the shelf. There's pictures this week of you would think it's like post-apocalypse uh, Seattle. Nuclear bombs have hit. All the groceries have been taken off the shelves. It's, it's one of those people of panic. They're like, I better buy two things of toilet paper just in case I'm stuck for... How long are you stuck with four to six inches of snow? But social media has become a highlight and a winner of the winter storm in Seattle. People are starting to learn that you can communicate as long as you got the internet. People are working with each other on childcare, matchmaking, daycares being closed. What are parents going to do? Um, some parents cancel their nannies because they had to stay home. Uh, so the nanny just sits around and does nothing. She loses her salary, but Facebook's connecting people and you're seeing, you know, uh, I saw a Facebook story where an elderly man had some disabilities and, you know, he had to go get some groceries or maybe some healthcare or something. 
And someone on Facebook neighborhood, you know, said, I got a four by four vehicle, picked him up, went to the all, all night pharmacy and helped him out. So that's kind of nice. And then like you're, you're hearing some of the nice stories on social media. And now here's one that's going to make you like, I don't know, you're going to be angry on this one because you're going to say that's so California. California Governor Gavin Newsom proposed a digital dividend that would let consumers share in the billions of dollars made by technology companies. In his State of the State speech, Newsom said California is proud to be home of the tech firms. But he said companies that make billions of dollars collecting, curating, and monetizing our personal data have a duty to protect it. And he wants them to pay us for our data. That concerns me. California's consumers should also be able to share in the wealth that it's created from that date from their own data. I don't know about that. I get a very valuable service in Facebook or Google, um, Google Drive, um, Google Word documents, you know, all that kind of stuff. I get an enormous value from them knowing a little bit of information about me. Um, Google email replacing Outlook, right? Yeah, they're, they're mining it for some data. They're selling that data. I'm okay with that because Outlook used to cost me 119 bucks. So this is a big story, though, for when you have a governor of California going after you, it's never a good thing. Let me teach you a valuable lesson. You don't want the spotlight on you in life. Not when you're succeeding. Fly under the radar if you can. Don't don't spread your wings and tell everyone, look at me, I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful, because, oh, you're suddenly going to become a target. So Google and Facebook, a little bit of a target right now. And uh, I would, if Facebook were to say, here, I want to get all your data, here's $5 or $100 or $500, I have no interest in that. Give me the service of, let me see photos of my friend's kids. That's fine. Not my ugly friends. My friends who are good looking, but they have ugly kids. I know a couple that they, they get baby pictures that are really ugly and put them on their refrigerator. I think that's funny. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Sometimes I talk about what you should be doing in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. Sometimes I talk about the retirement years. I really want to get you to retirement. That's the goal. Um, and then we can start figuring it out from there, so to speak. How much is your magic number? It, I wish I could tell everyone you know, that we're all the same, but we're not. Um, I spend a little bit more than I want to. I, you know, I, I admit that, so, and that's something I'm good with. So my budget's going to be different than yours, and my final goals are going to be different than yours. But I didn't really start getting serious about investing. I didn't really start getting serious about retirement, probably until my 40s. But in my 30s, I knew it was kind of something to think about. Again, for me, I saw my dad work till the day he died. So my motivation has really turned from like making you all the money in the world with tech stocks. to, And I, I don't mind doing that. I'll do a tech stock show anytime you want me to. 
but you got to tell me what you want. So in your 30s, you want to, you know, it's different than your 20s. Like I said, you know, in your 20s, you could have some fun and you're kind of learning. But in your 30s, you want to pay off all your non mortgage debt. Um, you want to get started. You know, that, that albatross of student debt, it should be gone in your early 30s, if not sooner. Um, I know, I know, I my last student debt payment was uh, early 30s, right? So I'm practicing what I'm preaching here. Uh, if you pay off all your non-mortgage debt, it sets you up for other things, you know, in life. So instead of sending money to your student, like, for instance, there's, there's the dumbest piece of advice, but I've heard it so many times. Uh, so when you're done paying off your student's debt, just send what you were paying on your student debt to a savings account. Okay, yeah, you could do that. Nothing frees up cash like paying off debt. And cash flow is kind of going to be important a little later in life. Um, I think you kind of want to kick the debt cycle altogether. There was a point in time where I think, yes. I want to say I bought a stereo system that I financed. There was a company called Circuit City. And I'm like, I'm 22, 23. I'm like, I want a stereo. Like, I want a kick in stereo. And, uh, you know, they're more than glad to sell you $1,000 to a kid who could barely afford to, you know, scratch his butt. Um, so you get into these dumb little things. I think you want to start thinking about retirement in your 30s. Your 20s. Time to start thinking about investing in your 30s. Time to start thinking about retirement. Just get it in your head. Have some goals. Have a budget. Have a number. You need to figure out, you know, times now, now you only have 30 years. And the example that I like to use, because it's the easiest one, is if you make $100,000 a year, you're going to make $4 million in your life if you work for 40 years. So can you live off? Well, can you live off four million? Oh no, 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 no! It doesn't work like that. Just because you make four million doesn't mean you saved four million, right? Um, out of that four million, let's say thirty percent went into housing costs, maybe up to fifty percent. So take that four million and cut it down to you know two and a half to three million of what you're going to earn in a lifetime. And then you, you know, slash the, the food, slash the, the vacation, slash the car payments, slash the house payments. And the house payment, the nice thing is you are paying yourself rent. So in your 30s, you want to start diversifying some of your investments. You don't just want to say, I'm going to just do the 401k. You want to see, you know, um, you kind of want to balance your portfolio. You kind of want to get some different assets going. But with your stocks, you know, you want, you decide, do you want 50% large cap, 20% mid, 20% small, 10% international? Do you want 30% large, 30%, like, are you going for more growth? You would want to probably skew towards international and small. But I'm not going to tell you how to do that right here, right now. We'll do that another show. In your 30s, do something cool. Like, do you remember when you were a kid and you got Highlights Magazine? It was awesome. Some aunt of yours would always buy you highlights and send it, you know, you get like a year subscription. Right? Um, you were learning. And as a kid, your parents said, read books, read books, read books, because they want you to continue to learn. In your 30s, I want you to read a financial book. So, or maybe a newspaper like Barron's. Or get a subscription to, I don't know, even know, Money Magazine, The Economist. Just start reading a little bit more. Continue to learn. 
you want to have a good foundation in your 30s, and that means start protecting some of your assets. I'll be honest with you, I did not have life insurance in my 20s. In my 30s, I started to get some life insurance, and I only went with term life. I didn't go with whole life. I didn't go with variable life. Um, in my 20s, the first place I rented, you know, they probably said, you have to have renter's insurance. So I got renter's insurance. But then as you get older, you're starting to get disability insurance and health insurance and homeowner's insurance. Um, so I protect my assets. My home is something I have insurance on just in case it burns down. My health is something I have insurance on just in case I get, you know, trip and smack my brain. You know, do you see where it goes? Interesting. Live simply. Your 20s were, to, I'm not going to say were your times to be arrested, but maybe. Um, but when you start making some smaller sacrifices in your 30s on maybe your budget, um, my neighbor has a BMW and he polishes it outside. It's like a bad commercial. I'm living in a bad commercial. My neighbor has a BMW and he's polishing it. And I, no, I don't want a BMW. But a lot of people do. Um, and that's where you get into trouble because you make purchases you don't need. And then you also sometimes will, you know, add, slow down your, your investment cycle because you're putting it into a car. In your 30s, do something very, very mature and get a well. Uh, even if you write something down on a napkin and sign it, I'm better with that because it's not that you have a will. It's just starting to think about this. People die. If you have children, you want to designate a guardian for them. Um, I can't tell you how many people die without wills, like Prince, right? How could that happen? I think Aretha Franklin, but she might be alive. Um, but a lot of people die without wills, and it's 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 saddening, crazy. Kurt Cobain. Didn't have a lot, a lot of financial planning done, right? So you just kind of want to start thinking about death and thinking about what assets you have and who they should go to. In your 30s, you want to get term life insurance. Um, it's really, really affordable. You can get you know, a 20-year term life policy for $500,000 for 250 bucks a year. Um there's a very good chance you're not going to die in the next 20 years in your 30s, so you're not going to die before you're 50, but your financial obligations are probably going to be at their highest. Term life, the only life insurance I get. I'm more and more charitable. I wish I would have been more charitable at a younger age. I, I, I hate networking. I wish I would have networked at a younger age. But being charitable is a good thing to do. It just, again, shows you volunteering your time for causes you believe in, um, you could be a little cash strapped, so you don't have to throw money in that direction. You can throw time, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, that's what you do in your 30s. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, trying to get you to investing, trying to get you through uh, retirement, trying to get you to you know good markets, bad markets, up markets, down. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Some days I want to get really into the economy. 
with you. The nitty gritty, the jobs works. Some days I want to pull back and get bigger picture. I get a lot of people who kind of want to cheat a little bit. They don't really want to do the, the hard work of investing. They don't really want to do the hard work of getting into their own finances. So how much do I need to retire? What's that magic number is probably like one of the things. Where do I like? Don't you kind of wish there was a roadmap? But then again, the more roadmaps we have, the more crazy they make us. I'll give you an example. If your home price and how much it's appreciated or gone down since you bought it was digitally printed on your doorstep every morning so you and your neighbors could see it, you might have sold your house a long time ago. People would be like, ooh, look at that big number. So how much do you need? When you're about 35 years old, you need about one and a half times your annual salary. Now, hopefully, you're going to be increasing your salary. But that'll tell you, like, am I doing something right? So if you make $20,000 a year, you need to have about $30,000 saved somewhere in your 30s. We'll call it mid-30s because there's a lot of wiggle room in conversations like this. When you turn 45 you should at least have three times your salary. So if you make 50000 you should have 150000 right? At least. Because now time's starting to run out on you. When you're 55, you want to at least have six times your salary. Now, if you think about that, you're 55 years old, you have six times your salary. That's going to last you, what, six years? If you keep your salary the same, don't count on Social Security. Social Security isn't the kind of big money that, you know, when you look at Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, when you look at costs in retirement, Social Security is just, it's a small number. So six times, right? Now, before you retire, I want you to have somewhere between 10 to 20 times your salary. Because, again, this is it. You're almost ready to retire. You're almost there. Um, do you have 10 to 20 times? And if not, keep working. It's that kind of simple. Is it true that you could pull this off? And like, did I just make the, the numbers that easy for you? It's a good start. So in your mid-30s to early 40s, you want to take full advantage of the 401k. You want to, every year, be increasing it. Um, every company I've worked for in the last 20 years have had 401ks, maybe a couple in college, like if you were delivering pizzas or something like that, they, they didn't offer a retirement plan, but most do now on some level. And when you're young, just keep boosting how much you're saving, make it a habit. Uh, again, yes. Do you want the new Xbox when it comes out and it's $900? Probably. You know, Apple, you know, comes out with a $400 phone, $600 phone, $800 phone, $1,000 phone. It's not a surprise because the person who they had hired came from a luxury company. Her job was to get people to pay luxury prices. Well, they're about to reverse course on that, right? So in your 30s, you're just taking care of your 401k. You're adding a little bit more every year. You're making sure that you have an emergency fund. If you got things like bonds or CDs that are really too conservative, you should start changing those over. 
But you also want to think that in your 30s, you got time on your side, so go more growthy. Because in your 40s, you're basically going to be rebalancing stuff. It's a lot less complicated. You already have the account. You're already funding the account. The account already has money in it. It's already been growing. So it's more of a trimming, uh, managing your, your situation in your 40s. <coughs> but in your 50s, you can start saving more. So that's where your saving becomes a little bit nuanced again, where you now have a 401k and you can save even more money this year than last year. In your 50s and 60s, you're probably getting bonuses, whether it's inside your company for sales or for years. or You're probably doing something, right? Save that money. It always kills me when I see uh, people use their refunds, their IRS refunds, as a, woohoo, let's go blow this. That was actually money you earned. You just overpaid the government it. It's not that the government likes you. You earned it. It wasn't part of your let's go have a party. That's when you want to uh, start taking that kind of big IRS check and catching up on some retirement, right? In your 60s, your 50s and 60s, you also, if you're adding this all up, you should have an income plan for retirement in your 50s and 60s. Uh, I'm, I'm saying 50s if you're going to retire early 60-ish. I'm saying 60s if you're retired mid to late 60s. But you should have an income plan, and you should have a budget, and you should say, okay, how am I going to make money? Because for the last 40 years, this company's been taking care of me, or I've been you know, working my, my hiney off, and I get paychecks. When you're 60, your paychecks didn't come from the U.S. government, and it's, it's not great. It's small. It's Social Security, right? So you want to run an income plan. You want to find a financial planner. Um, there's financial planners that will work on an hourly basis. They're out there. I would say seek them out. Um, you don't have to have the relationship. The relationship of a certified financial planner is for wealthy people. If you don't know if you're wealthy or not, I'd consider hiring a financial planner to do an hourly five-year plan for you. Um, but I would go with a financial planner. I'd be very careful because also in your 50s, you have a large chunk of money because you've been saving it with your 401k. There's a guy who does a, a financial show on the sports station in the Bay Area. And what people don't understand is, is he's not the expert. He's the expert salesperson for annuities. So you've been working your whole life. you got this big, fat 401k. Let's say you have 200000 or 500000 or a million. He convinces you to take that asset and buy an insurance product because he gets a big, fat commission. Annuities aren't bad products in of themselves. There's people who sell them and who maximize their their income off of them. They're like, hey, let's sacrifice your retirement so that I can have a, a fatter paycheck. That pisses me off. But it's out there. So that's your basic idea of where you should be. Have an income plan. Look into Social Security. You can go to ssa.gov and figure out what your estimates are going to be. They used to send you a statement every year, and you'd be like, ooh, I made a lot of money. And it would show you how much you're going to get in retirement if you retire at 62 or 65 or 70. Um, just be really honest with that one because you don't have a lot of time at that point. So 
Um, that's what I got for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One more thing I want to hit on as far as some of the basics go is a lot of people say Albert Einstein said compounding's the seventh, eighth miracle of the world or something like that. He never said that. It's, a, it's one of those myths out there that's just incorrect. So, one of the things that I want to throw out there is how I talk about your 20s and 30s, and I'm talking about, like, um, if you start with $2,000, and $2,000 isn't a lot of money. It's $166 a month, and you get an 8% return, you're going to be at, you're going to make 160 bucks in year one. In year two, your $2,000 becomes $4,000 because you've now put in 2000 and 2000 and by the end of that second year, all of your money will have earned 333 So 166 a month for 12 months times two, $333 of growth. So the more you put in early, the more you get out later. But let's take that 2000 number, and let's say that you can do, instead of 166 a month, you do 330 Do you see how, like, Wow you can get that growth faster. If you put $2,000 a year into the stock market, S&P 500, and you get 8% growth, after 40 years, you would have $518,000. If you put put $4,000 a year in for 40 years, at the end of that period of time, you would have $1.1 million. So do you see the difference between 166 and 350? It's it's pretty large. Retiring with $560,000 or 1.1 million. If you can do it, but you have to do it every year. And I know you're saying, Rob, you're asking me to lock up $4,000 a year? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that ain't a lot of money and sometimes it's, you know, Four thousand dollars, three hundred fifty bucks a month. Sometimes people gym memberships, um, get in at ballpark. Uh, I'd rather you have a buy a used car than a new car because that extra three hundred fifty bucks a month, it's one point two million dollars in retirement. But if you keep spending every paycheck and if you keep ratcheting up, I make more money, I spend more money, I make more money, I spend more money. Those aren't the people who retire wealthy. It's the people who make more money who spend the same and who invest more money from what they're making. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm 
three sisters playing in a band making hit music. It's a pretty good life. Hopefully they're saving some money because how many times have you seen bands only have one hit wonders? The answer is more often than not. Or maybe they work for three to five years heavily and then they hit the state fair angle. But it's a nice story, right? So one of the things I like throwing out there is the concept of, you know, I'm not a tattoo guy. I'm afraid to get a tattoo because I don't know what I'd put on my body. And I'm not, I don't have like things that I totally believe in. Like I don't have to have the Latin phrase, that which does not, I don't need it. I don't need it. It doesn't need to be on my body. But interestingly, I would put some Warren Buffett quotes on my body, my financial body, right? I know it's a little disgusting to think about me naked, but Warren Buffett's one of my favorites. His quotes will go down as epic, like not memes. They're not like they're, they're just they're such valuable nuggets. Like the fact that people will be full of greed, fear of folly, is predictable. The sequence is not predictable. He once said, if a business does well, the stock eventually follows. I like that. So you don't have to get out your big stock graphs and your your daily graphs and your charts. And I used to pay for a, a daily chart book that came out weekly. Um, but it was pretty awesome. And then I was like, it's too much work. If a business does well, the stock usually follows. Another quote of his was, I try to buy stock in businesses that are so wonderful that an idiot could run them. Because sooner or later, one will. <laughs> That's awesome. You go back and you take a look at like Apple. And at the time that Steve Jobs was there, then the time that he left, the time he came back, you're like, ooh. You want to buy businesses that are so wonderful that an idiot can run them. Another quote that he has, should you find yourself in a chronically leaking boat, energy devoted to changing vessels is likely to be more productive than energy devoted to patching leaks. I like that because when the stock market goes down or you, you buy a stock that goes down, sometimes if you're wrong, you're wrong. And that's the beauty of, of Wall Street. I've made plenty of investment mistakes. I've made way more winners than losers, A, because the stock market is up 70% of the time. So I'm just, I'll go with that flow. I don't have to beat it. I just don't want to under underperform it. I want to be that flow. That's why you can do something like an S&P 500. So if you do find yourself in a vehicle, like let's say you bought a hard asset commodity fund that just... He didn't really, really know the nuances of it. It happens. Um, changing vessels, saying, I made a mistake. Warren Buffett once bought an airline, TWA, and he made a mistake. He didn't say, oh, I'm just going to sit here for the next 20 years. No, he moved on. Having the ability to move on is super powerful. Okay. 
Warren Buffett once said, and these are these are tattoos I would get on my financial body. I know you're saying, let's think about that for a second. My real body has some hair on it. My financial body is hairless, right? So go with that for a second. But Warren Buffett once said, the investor of today does not profit from yesterday's growth. So you look at something like Amazon or Netflix and go, wow, that's gone up 29,000%. If I had only invested $100 in it, I have like $2.9 bazillion. But you didn't invest in it. So there's something biblical passage about lusting after other people's wives. Don't, don't lust after other people's stock performance. You know, it's not going to do you any good. The best days are behind. Not the best days. The growth that you're lusting after may not repeat itself. Warren Buffett once said, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. I think investing and saving, it, it's you got to practice it a little bit. If you buy a book on Warren Buffett quotes or if you read Warren Buffett's annual letter to his shareholders, the more you educate yourself, the more you're going to know what you're doing. So maybe find five mutual fund or like Dan Niles. He's a great tech investor. He's aggressive. But put a Google alert when his name comes up in the news. Maybe you go after someone like a, a Hennessy. Or, you know, back in the day, you could have gone after... Uh, different. There's one guy I used to follow, a guy named uh, Alberto Villar. He ran Amarindo Investment Advisors. Real great tech guy. He ends up going to jail for like embezzling. But his tech mind was pretty brilliant. Um, when we were all on 2400 baud modems and he started to talk about investing in the chipsets, the, the makers of, of modems that are faster, because every year we'd get a faster modem, faster modem, faster modem. He kind of got that internet speed was going to be a thing. And uh, take what you can get from other experts who are doing the hard work for you. Another another Warren Buffett quote, because this is fun for me. Someone is sitting in shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. I love sitting in the shade on a sunny day. It's, it's just awesome. People watching and such, uh, you know, going to a park, chilling a little bit. But you're not going to get to retirement unless you plant that seed of getting to retirement. You're not going to enjoy it. So you got to plan for your future. Um, and one final, final quote is, price is what you pay, value is what you get. That sounds like a commercial for like Sears or something like that. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. Come to Walmart. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking Warren Buffett and financial tattoos that I would get. You should have things that you believe in. I certainly do. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.